I'm really excited about what I feel the Lord has for us as a congregation this evening. And, um, you know, as I was uh, spending time with the Lord this week and thinking about this year, you know, we all sort of get to this place at the beginning of the year and we, we kind of think, Lord, ah, you know, maybe you had a really good year and you're saying, God, I wanted to be the same this year, but just a little bit extra. But maybe your year was rough, like probably most of us over the last two years. And we're saying, Lord, do we, we don't want a repeat of that. Please, God. Um, but thank the Lord, it seems like things are changing um, and things are moving forward with COVID and things seem to be getting better. Um, but there were a couple of things where I was sitting with, sitting with the time of the Lord and saying, Lord, there's, there's some things that I don't want to repeat that I had in my life last year. Um, I want things to be, to be different. And I felt the Lord say, well, what I want to do in you sort of this year is um, uh, bring you your life into to a realignment. And I want you to refocus um, on the things that are important and the things that matter. And so I felt as I prepared this preach, you know, we've been spending a lot of time with you guys and, and hearing your stories. And man... It brings me to tears because uh, there's lots of tears in Edgemead PM. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But um, as I listen to your stories and I hear the heart of God for you, there is so much that God has for you and for us as a congregation. And I really felt as I, I was putting this preach together, I was saying, Lord, if you can do it with this guy, <laughs> there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do it for all of you guys. And what I really felt that God was, was going to bring tonight and I was, as I was preparing it, um, and it'll make a little bit more sense as I go into it, I, I felt God say, are you really prepared to do and live what I'm asking you to minister to my people? Are you really prepared to do it? And I said, oh, God, no problem, man. I'm, I'm all in. And I was preparing, and I was thinking about it. Oh, Lord, really come and move. And, and he said, are you really prepared to do what I'm calling you to preach, are you prepared to live it? And not long after that, I look on my WhatsApp, and it says, Andrew's coming to visit. I said, Lord, really? I thought Steve was joking. I was praying, God, please let him be joking. <laughs> God said, are you really prepared to do what I'm calling you to do and what you're going to preach to to my body tonight, are you prepared to demonstrate? Every single bone in my body wanted to phone Brett and say, Brett, I think I've come into contact with someone with COVID. <laughs> I think I need to isolate for at least 10 days. I was so tempted to pick up the phone. I said, no, God. God said, yes. I said, God, no. He said, yes. I realized the second no probably wouldn't mean anything. So I guess it's a yes. <laughs> so I really pray that what God has to say to us um, will minister to you as, as I'm a, a right now. Every insecure bone in my body wants to run out that door. But I'm a living testimony of what God can do with sometimes useless people. <laughs> I'm one of them. But um, I know that, um, you know, sometimes we look at people's lives and uh, we, we, we see things that they get up to. And we, we look at these things and we go, man. You know, do you, do you do that? You look at people's lives and things that they're doing and all these extravagant experiences and you say, Lord, oh, I really want to do that. I'd really like to do this. It's probably a dumb question. I mean, most of us sit most of the time just, you know, swiping through our devices, looking at the extravagant lives of, uh, of other people. 
And uh, I know that many of you guys have, have passions and, and there's things that continually grab your attention. And there's things that, you know, if, if, if you could get to a place where you could do this or do that, um, or, or you could experience something in your life um, that it would really mean something. And you think, oh, no, I've arrived. When I've done that, then I've truly lived. Um, but, uh, you know, it's something that consumes us. And, and we focus on it. And, you know, one of the things as a, as a young, young guy, I'm quite a bit of an st- extreme guy sometimes. And I love surfing and kite surfing and, and seeing how high I can jump. And, uh, and uh, my wife just often shakes her head. Um, she reminds me very often that, you know, Carl, you, you're 50 this year. You're not 25. Really, you're not 25. And then, you know, nature has a good way of reminding us physically sometimes that uh, you're not 25 anymore. <laughs> I was... Uh, Chatting to Andrew during the week, we bumped into each other in the water. We were talking about just how life moves on. And, and you know, you go for a surf and you walk away. And it's like, oh. <laughs> you, you feel it the next morning and you think, oh, Lord, I didn't even try anything. You know, but um, life catches up to us. But one of the things that really uh, caught my passion was um, I used to watch some of you like rallying or, or four by fouring and you watch these things. And I, I thought, Lord, I used to watch as a young child these camel, as a young child, these camel trophies. Who's ever seen the, the camel trophy old videos hey, of the Land Rovers that used to go through the, through the mud and through the dirt and, and through all this kind of stuff? And I, I used to marvel at what, um, what these cars were actually capable of. You know, they would go through obstacles that you'd think there's absolutely no way that um, this car is actually going to be able to do that. And sometimes we, you know, we mingle with people, bump into people, we, we kind of, Look for relationships with people that kind of do the things that we want to do, hoping that um, we can tag along or sort of get a little bit of a taste of that experience. And uh, so I had a work colleague who, who owned a, a Defender 110. I don't know if you know, guys know what that looks like. It's sort of the more boxy shape. And we're not going to get into debates now about Toyota and Land Rover and, and all this kind of stuff, okay? But um, let's stick to the 4x4 four four part. So anyway, I, I looked at this and he used to tell me stories. And show me photographs. And I thought, man, I want to experience some of this. I want to get a taste of what it means to, to go up that hill. And uh, so anyway, he belonged to Land Rover Club. And he, and he said, hey, why don't you come with me? And um, so I went along sitting in the passenger seat. And uh, he started to, to go um, along this trail. And, and before, you know, your sort of heart goes from here. And then eventually it sits here. And then your hands and nails are digging into the seat and you think you're going to die. <laughs> you don't actually believe or understand um, what these uh, cars are capable of. And I thought, Lord, I, I want to get one of these things. I don't just want to be a passenger. I want to know what it feels like to be in the driver's seat. And I want to know what it feels like to experience uh, this kind of awesomeness. And so it wasn't long after that that I, I found myself, um, I found a, a Land Rover and I, I got it. And uh, there I was with all this potential underneath my foot. And uh, I thought, now what am I going to do with this thing? <laughs> it's like, how does this thing work? It's got high range, low range, diff lock. You know, it's like all these things that, are, that give it the capability of, of letting it do what it needs to do. And, uh, but it wasn't long I started going on some 4x4 four four training courses. And, um, you know, in the beginning, the, the amazing thing is that, you, you know, um, you get in the car and you go along these trails. And the one thing about 4x4 four four trails is that... Um, there's always these, you get a, a one, two, three, four, and level five. And level five is super difficult. It's near impossible. Um, and you'd go along the trail, and, you, and you'd start to go, and you, you'd face these obstacles. And now being a new car, I was like, 
you know, you want to keep it squeaky clean. It's a Land Rover. It's got to get dirt on the thing. But it's new, and I'm, I'm sort of finding my way, and uh, we start going on the trails. And uh, I start to see there's this hectic places that you need to climb over, and, and then there's like this little escape route. For those of you who have been 4x4 with this, there always seems to be an escape route. And in the beginning, I, I thought, um, there's no way that I'm going to... There's no way that I'm going to go up there. There's absolutely no way. Even though the car was capable, I seemed to always take the escape route. <laughs> um, but eventually, as I grew in confidence and, and, and as I listened to people who had actually done the trail before, you know, before when you start getting into 4 by 4 there's normally an experienced guy that sits next to you, and he says, look, do this, go into low range, and then you've normally got guys on the outside that, that are in front of the obstacle and on the side of the obstacle, and they say, no, Turn left, turn right, go a little bit up, go here. And eventually you, you begin to experience what this car can actually do. And um, it becomes a little less about your skill, but more about understanding what that car can do. And so the question in terms of um, why I'm using this illustration is I, I, I got to a place where I, you know, the question was, was I willing to take this thing where it was built to go? And, you know, as I look at our lives and as I look at my life, we are built and fashioned by God to go places for the kingdom of God. But we don't fully understand or realize what is sitting under the bonnet or the hood of our lives. What potential is sitting there? And I want to talk a little bit about that um, this evening. And um, I want to show you one or two um, pictures up here. Um, that was the first major obstacle that I actually did. <laughs> it's that steep. All right, and uh, I think there was only five of us that actually went down that decline. And you know the amazing thing about these cars is that, and, and these similarities are very similar to the way that God works in our lives, is that you know in order for that car to get down there, you actually need to take your foot off the brake, take your foot off the accelerator, put it into low range, and actually let the car roll down that decline by itself. It's fully capable and built to do that. And the thing is, the minute you put your foot on the brake, you know, we do that sometimes in life. God is leading us down an incline in, in, in life or challenging us to do things that we sort of, we always just want to put the brakes on. And you know that in, in situations like that, if we put the brakes on, you can end up rolling and crashing and damaging your car. One of the other ones was, um, you know, it took me three or four times to get up that hill. Sometimes we've got to try again and again and again. And then, you know, once we get used to, um, uh, there's another one just in terms of going through flags, being guided by people um, along the straight and narrow. Um, and then eventually you become confident and you're able to um, go up to the mountaintops. There's one in the snow in the Cedar, in, in Cirrus. And I actually was by myself and I was brave enough, or maybe my family was brave enough to actually go with me. But we, we, we went up and we came down. So some of us will never experience what God has to do in our, with our lives because we always take the paths of least resistance. We will never experience what our lives are actually capable of if we remain in the driver's seat and stick to the smooth tar roads of ease and predictability. And in terms of way of a, a sermon title tonight, I, I want to say, stay off the tar. Stay off the tar. Stay off the easy roads. You know, if, if, if you have an interest in 4x4s, you will see so many people uh, driving around Cape Town. These beautiful discoveries 
All these fancy four by fours. They're shiny. They've got, they've got all the bling. They've got all the capability. But those cars never see a speck of dust. I think most of the time, uh, it's a lady driver. Nothing against ladies driving four by fours. They're more than capable. But I think, you know why they want those four by fours? It's to get that parking in the shopping center. It's to just be able to get over that curb and say, ah, you know, and that's as much as the four by fouring that those cars actually do. But in the same way, Our lives are actually built for far more. You know, Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14 says this. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And I really feel this year, as as God has been challenging me, to realign, come, come back into the paths that I have for you. Come back, uh, refocus your attention um, on what I want you to do. Let go of the steering wheel. Stop trying to drive and go in the direction that you want to you go. Um, you know, there's this wonderful thing that we call um, a GPS. I know many of you use it. I think back to the, the days when I was a rep on the road and you had this map book. And if you're like me, especially men, we love map books, don't we? <laughs> we don't. We drive in the car and our wives are saying, ask directions. Ask directions. Now I've got this. Don't worry. Ask directions until you have to admit that you're completely lost. But as I was thinking about this and saying, Lord, you know, I want to be, be where you want me to be. I want to make sure that I'm driving on the path for this year. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm going in the direction that you want me to go. And I love this analogy in terms of God's GPS. It's, it's God's um, positioning system. And he is the one that needs to determine um, where we are at any given time. In John 5, 19 to 20, it says this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son of God can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. And again, the Lord Jesus, as I was spending time with him, was saying, what am I doing? What am I saying to you? Are you following my example? One of the most challenging scriptures I've ever read is out of James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17, and it says this. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. So in order to walk in the will of God, we need to first acknowledge him as Lord and put him back in the driver's seat. Is Jesus really the Lord of your life? Is he really the one that is actually in control? Is he really the one that is leading you? Have you really submitted your life to Jesus Christ. And part of the realigning in my life and what I feel God is saying is that he's calling us back to putting him back um, on the throne. 
And so I'm hoping we're going to be able to get through. Probably not. I might just do the first half. Is I really want to talk about what does it really mean to live in, in the will of God? What are some of the things that God says that we need to focus on? And are there certain scriptures that actually tell us um, what that is? And so, so as I was researching this, there was four scriptures that God showed me that sort of give us a general idea of what it means to walk in the will of God, his general will for our lives. And I think if we manage to align our lives with these four things, it helps us to get to a place where we can experience God's specific will for, lives, a will for our lives. And um, we might get there tonight. I might push it over to next week. But one of the things I, uh, I, I, after looking at the scriptures was this, Sort of, if you want to call it acrostic, um, which is called bags. And you can write it down if you're taking notes. And I, I'm hoping that this will give us some handles in terms of, Lord, for this year and going forward and, and walking in your will, what is it that I need to look at? What is it that I need to realign and what is it that I need to focus on? And so, in terms of bags, if you look at the first letter B, it says this in John 6, verse 40. It says, and this is Jesus, he says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do we really believe what God has said about us? Do we really believe that he is the way? Not a way, but he is the way. Have we really said, Lord, this, you, you are the, the center of my life. I put you on the throne. He says here, anyone who looks on the Son of God? Am I looking to Jesus every single day of my life? Am I focusing on Him and believes? I've listened to a lot of your stories. And there's been a lot of times, even in my own life, where very quickly we start to believe the lies of the enemy. And he robs us of the potential that we have in God. Are we listening to what Jesus is saying about us that is true? Or do we come with T's and C's? Terms and conditions. Who loves that little? It's normally right at the bottom of that letter. You know, when God calls us and we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we, we come and we give our lives to Him, the Son of, we say, Lord, I'm going to give you my life, but right at the bottom, we put the T's in C's, don't we? <laughs> you know, there's a great scripture that illustrates this in Luke 9, 57, verse 262. It says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes of holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, follow me. But, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their, dead, uh, bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first say farewell to those at home, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Isn't that challenging? How many let me firsts do we have in our lives? Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to give you everything. Let me first build a career. Lord, let me first get married. Lord, let me first make a lot of money. What is the let me firsts in your life that is holding you back from fully experiencing what God has for you. You know, it's like this. My son's just turned 18. He's here somewhere. And I know, <laughs> imagine, I know it's an imagination, my boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> imagine, Kale, that I came home and I drove home and there was this beautiful car. 
sitting there. What was it? It's a, a Ford Fiesta. He loves Ford Fiestas. That's his dream car. He wants to pump it out and, and put the spoilers and the mags on. Imagine I came up with that dream car, and I rolled up in the driveway, and I parked it there. And I said, my son, this is yours. I've saved for months. I know it's exactly what you wanted. It's yours. But I don't give him the keys. How disappointed do you think he's going to be? But don't we do that sometimes with the Lord? He's calling us and saying, I want you to surrender more of your life. I've got so much more for you under the hood of life. I'm building you. I'm shaping you to do mighty things for the kingdom. But we just won't give him the keys. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 to 19, it says this. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And this is the key. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Think about that for a minute. We come to church. We experience God. We hear his call upon our lives. We understand what he's done for us on the cross. He paid the ultimate price for you and me. This was such a reminder to me as I was contemplating this message. God reminded Carl, you're not your own. I, poured, I paid a hefty price. I didn't just pay a price for a Sunday and a Wednesday. I paid the full price for 24-7, 365 days of the year. I paid a price for your life. It no longer belongs to you. Let that sink in just for a little bit. You are not your own. When we think about the day, when we think about our futures, when we think about the, um, yes, but Lord, let, let me do this, let me do that. So often, and I'm the same, I've been there, we give our lives to Christ, we surrender, but we don't give the keys over to him. And then we can never fully live in the calling that God has for our lives. You know, C.T. Studd said this, only one life it will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. So in terms of aligning ourselves with the general word of God, we've got to believe in Jesus Christ. We've got to focus on him. We've got to surrender our lives to him. We've got to remind ourselves that our lives do not belong to us. When we make our decisions, decisions when, we, when we think about our careers, when we think about what we want to do, what are we saying? Lord, this life belongs to you. What do you want to do through me? I lay it down day by day. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26 says this. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would love his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Do you really believe Jesus is who he said he is? Do you really believe that he is Lord of your life? That changes the way that we approach things. Wouldn't you agree? Are you still with me? Second thing, A, abstain. 1 Thessalonians, it was quite a tricky one to say, 4 verse 1 to 5 says, Finally, brothers, ask, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God, just as you are doing, that you do more and more. So you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, 
that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles uh, who do not know God, that one, that no one transgresses the wrong uh, and wrongs his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity but holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So if we want to check, are we living in the general will of God? Are we submitting our lives? What are we watching? What are we listening to? Are we living a life that is sexy, immoral? Guys, what are we watching when no one's looking? We cannot expect to enter or feel the presence of God if, we, if we're messing up in these areas. What do you need to abstain from in your life right now that is pulling you away from the things and the purposes of God? Only the Holy Spirit can, can reveal that to you. We need to believe and we need to abstain. This thing keeps switching off, so it's a bit of a pain. Thirdly, give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, and this is something that Brett spoke last week about rejoicing. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. I can promise you my giving thanks last year and the year before weren't that great. There, was, there seemed at times very little things to be thankful for. Look at what it says in Numbers 14, verse 26 to 19. You know, we can grumble a lot. I find myself in that place, moaning, groaning. Oh, I'm so tired of this COVID. I'm so tired of this restrictions. I'm so tired of the masks. And you find yourself talking to your work colleagues and people around you. And I find that I have to stop myself because often my conversation becomes so negative. And look what this consequence. Look at, it says here in Numbers 14, uh, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked generation grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of the Israelites that are making against me. So tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. Your bodies will fall in the wilderness. All who were numbered in the census, every, two, uh, every one, 20 years of age or older, because you have grumbled against me. How many of us are wandering around that mountain in the wilderness? Because we don't have a grateful spirit. Because we've forgotten that God says in all circumstances, we need to rejoice. We need to give thanks. In the difficult circumstances, no, Lord, I know that you are in control. I know that you know exactly what I'm going through. I know. I know that I can trust you. I give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. And fourthly, probably one of the hardest ones, submit. 1 Peter 2, verse 13 to 17, is talking about submission to authority. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to, raise, and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you shall put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the emperor. This is a big one. <laughs> Who felt like honoring all those rules and regulations that we're still in? That was tough. I remember Andrew preached, I think it was online, 
you preached around this topic. And oh, man, I struggled with that. I struggled with it. Honoring our government. I thought, no, Lord, this, this, there's got to be another interpretation to this one. It's hard, isn't it? But you know, what, I've, what I realized um, as going through this stuff, and whether the regulations are right or wrong and stuff that we've all had to endure, it really exposed in my heart a rebellion. There's still rebellion in there. There's still something in me that kicks against authority, right or wrong. It's like, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the question is this. Do we have attitude of gratitude? Do we have a rebellious attitude? Are you willing to be led? If we want to walk into the purposes of God, his general will, we want to move into a place where we find that we're experiencing God's specific will for our lives. Do you believe? Are you abstaining? Are you being grateful? And are you living in submission? Is accountability important to you? Is transparency a way of life for you? Are you humbled in your approach to others and those around you? Do you regularly ask for input and insight from those who lead you? These are some of the things that will help us move into the purposes of God. Andrew once put a post, and I can't remember if I can say it exactly, but he said that leaders are often directly tied into your destiny. I think, I think that's what you said. And do we come to, to this place and saying, Lord, my life is not my own. I'm submitting it to you. You've put leaders over my life. I'm submitting my life to them. I'm opening up my life. My hands are off the, dry, off the steering wheel. I want to hear you. Very often God speaks through his word, Jesus, and through leadership and significant relationships in our lives. You know, somebody once said to me, Carl, if you want to have any measure of growth in your life, he said, build relationships with people that will tell you what you don't want to hear when you desperately need to hear it. Those are difficult conversations. Who wants people like that in your life? <laughs> Very few of us. It's not easy people to have. But are we prepared to do that? So, so, many, so many of us ask the question, Lord, and who's done this? Lord, what's your will for my life? Anyone? Only a few of you. Few, only a few of you have asked, Lord, what's your will for my life? I was hoping there would be more. Um, I don't think that that's often the right question. Because there's still my in there. If you think about that question, Lord, what's your will for my life? I think maybe a better question is, Lord, what's your will? And how do I fit this life that now belongs to you into it? Luke 12, 29 to 31. We'll see if it's up there. And do not seek what you will eat and drink and what you will, uh, sorry, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows what you need, that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given unto you. If we're honest, how much of those things that the world runs after are we running after? What is drawing us away? What is stealing us attention? Is it career? Is it just a little more? Is it just a, a bigger business? Um, is it just to do what 
what you want to do. You know, a kingdom doesn't exist without people. And this is sort of drawing to a close. I want to really bring to, to, the, to a close of what I really feel God is saying. Is God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What is the will of God for our lives? Is that we here to reach the lost. Everything that we do, every business, every friendship, every workplace, every church, every situation is about this one thing. How do we reach people for Jesus? Part of what Andrew shared at, at the, the gathering was how God was focusing us back to evangelism. He talked about a muscle. I think Andrew was saying that it's, it's a, it can be a weak muscle in, 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 in our church. We need to focus back on winning the lost. Matthew 28, 16 to 20 says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Just those two things. It's not just leaders. It's not just community leaders. It's not just elders, lead elders, directing elders, that God is calling to go and reach the lost and make disciples. It's every single one of us sitting here. Now I know all of us are on a journey. None of us have arrived yet. But the question is, are you asking the right question? Not God, what's your will for my life? Some of us are not even asking that. We're just, we're just doing our own thing. God, what is your will? And how do I fit this life that belongs to you into it? Will you refocus? And will you realign this year? what God wants to do. I believe, I, I really sense that we are on the edge of an explosion in this congregation. I just look at tonight, I, I've never seen us so full. But I think if we realign and refocus our lives and join God at what he's doing in this congregation, we will be amazed at what God can do through your life. What is sitting under the hood of your life? Let go of the steering wheel. Put Jesus back in the seat. Give him the keys. And you'll be amazed at what God can do through your life. Is that encouraging? I want you to stand. And I want us to pray. You know, in short, many times in our lives, we, when we're driving down our own paths and we, we're living life according to our own GPS, we keep crashing into the same walls. We keep going off the roads of life, crashing and burning and stumbling and and there's car wrecks every six months, every four years, every second week, there's another car wreck. Um, it's because are we really following the GPS of God, God's positioning system? And I want to challenge you tonight that maybe you're sitting here and you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You haven't even started in the beginning. 
you haven't even got to the place where you fully believed in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity that if you, your life looks like a, a, a car wreck because you keep going around the same mountain or you keep taking the same roads that lead to destruction and you're tired of being broken and disappointed, I want to ask you if there's anyone that like, like that tonight. Maybe it's for the first time you say, Lord, I don't understand all the stuff, but I know that I need to surrender my life to you. I know I need to give you what's left of this wreck because God can restore it. He's the God of restoration. Lord, I'm giving you this mess, this, this wreck, but I'm still giving you the keys. And you'll be amazed at what God can do with a broken life. He's the God of restoration. He makes all things new. As our eyes are closed and as our heads are bowed, would you raise your hand if that's you? Is there anyone like that tonight? You say, Lord, tonight I'm choosing to put the keys of my life in your hands. You're 100% sure. And then the challenge to myself and all of us. When Jesus said, you've been bought with a price. The life has been paid for. You are not your own. I'm standing in the front and saying, Lord, the areas of my life that are not surrendered to you, I'm giving to you now. The areas in my life that I'm that I know I need to pay a cost, I'm giving that to you. It's no longer my life. It belongs to you. Jesus loves you so much that when we live in the purposes of God, there's no better life, there's no better fulfillment when we're walking in the ways of God. Nothing is more satisfying. Not to say it's going to be easy. If that's you, Would you put up your hand? Would you say, Lord, this year, I'm realigning, I'm refocusing. I'm reminding myself that this life belongs to you. My hand is raised. Let this be our prayer. Lord, what do you want to do with this life that belongs to you? Lord, what do you want to do with this life that belongs to you? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you're working in us, that you're always at work around us. Father, I thank you that you, you lovingly draw us into a relationship with you. Father, that you want us to join us in what you're doing. You call us each by name. Lord, you have prepared our lives. You're preparing us. You, you're building into us. Lord, help us as the people of God to not stick to the easy roads of life. But, Lord, you've called us to the great adventure of knowing and experiencing you. Father, you've called us to the paths that are less traveled. But Lord, I thank you that you will never call us where you haven't equipped us to go. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's you that enables us to do what you're calling us to do. And Father, I pray tonight as a church for those of us that have raised our hands and saying, Lord, our lives belong to you. Do whatever you want. We'll go wherever you want us to go. Father, I pray that you would hear that. And already we would begin to see the evidence of the power of God moving in our lives. We commit our lives to you, Father. We look forward to this year, Lord. Will you use us? 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming, guys. Amazing to have you with us. And uh, for those that are visiting us, really, really cool to have you with us. If you don't have to run away, please stay for some coffee. Kea, if you see someone you haven't seen before, love on them. Say, how's it? Find their name out. Invite them for supper sometime in the week. Love you guys lots. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll see you next week. Hit the music, Josh.